0: This is Radio Taiwan International.
1: You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So, and up this hour we have a new show for you called Behind the Beats. Emma Banak will be telling the stories behind Taiwan's popular music. But first, join us for a live recorded version of Here in Taiwan. i just dropped my computer i'm sad about that all right anyways it's okay here in taiwan welcome to here in taiwan um it is november 2nd on a tuesday here in taiwan we're coming to you from the studios of radio taiwan international and in the studio today we have emma bernard hey everyone and i am natalie so so we'll be talking about all kinds of interesting stories Now, one is a review by an American who is training here in the most important company in Taiwan and I would say one of the most important in the world. Uh, TSMC, the company that probably makes a lot of the chips that you're using in your devices. Anyways, he had a very critical review or interesting Mm review, but honest review. Um, And a lot of people are talking about that. So we're wondering if, you know, Americans can really handle being... um, in a uh, company like that and they're gonna start one in Arizona so is the American workforce ready for TSMC can talk about that and also um, how Taiwan is weighing some letting some uh, migrant workers come in early Mm -hmm. uh, easier this month also we're letting um, people come in uh, during the winter holidays basically and an easier quarantine um, situation a lot more stories coming up. Also, how our local vaccine is doing. Those stories and more are coming right up. Okay, so um, there was an interesting review um, recently by an American engineer who spent some time here in Taiwan training at TSMC. So who has heard of TSMC? Um, If you've heard of it, if you know what it does, if you have any uh, idea of it, uh, let us know in our comments below. And can you keep an eye on those? Because my computer is not really linking well with our Internet today.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I honestly before I came to Taiwan, I'd never heard of TSMC before. But since moving here, I've met a lot of, I guess, engineers that have come over from europe from a whole bunch of different countries to work here in taiwan and some of them are here for a longer term some of them are here kind of for like months on end and then they go back to europe and i feel like in general they've seemed to have a pretty positive experience in taiwan i know they were kind of interesting hours definitely a different work schedule from what most people have um but i've also seen that they have time to explore taiwan on their own but uh I haven't seen this review that uh, someone okay. wrote recently. So
1: were they, were your friends or acquaintances working for TSMC or other companies? Uh,
2: yeah, they were working for TSMC. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So um,
1: if you don't know, TSMC is the premier uh, maker of chips, which can be found in computers and cars, and, and there's a shortage of them. And we make the most advanced ones. Like 90% of the most advanced ones are made here by TSMC. And um, so they're basically a contract base. They don't design them. They make them. And so they're like one of the most important companies in the world. And I think now other countries are seeing the need to have this kind of fab, you know, a plant that does that. Nobody wanted to do this kind of work before because it takes such a big investment. But um, TSMC and the owner at that time saw this as a very key part of the supply chain. And they built a great company doing this and also what's really great about tsmc is the integrity like it has all the secrets you know of all the major companies in the world but it will not share it with um its employees you know everybody only knows a tiny little bit and and they keep all of that secret you know from all the different countries and different companies and it can be really trusted so that's also something that's very precious about tsmc and they're also planning to uh, build a FAB in Arizona. So what's interesting is that this um, guy, uh, American guy who, oh, he's actually from Arizona. All right. So he put out a, um, a review. Actually, there's only two paragraphs of prose and a really, really long <laughs> message for cons and advice. So people were um, talking about this on Twitter, but I thought it was kind of interesting because it, it really is a different work culture. Mm-hmm. And I think it can kind of highlight um, I'm sure some of his observations are correct, and, you know, every organization could use some advice. But here's what he said about pros. He's able to train in Taiwan, work for one of the most comp- important companies on the planet, be exposed to culture outside the U.S. Okay, so, um, and you know, th- he thought, thought his trainer also met him halfway in terms of culture and all that. Mm-hmm. But he said the work culture in Taiwan is very different, I'm sure. TSMC will have to change to an eight hour work day, five days a week, um, or, you know, have three days on, four days off, you know, um, when they go to the U.S. So obviously that means it's not the way it is here in Taiwan. Actually, TSMC, if you say you're working there for a local person, it's like, wow, like you're working at the best and, you know, uh, richest company in Taiwan. And people there get uh, comparatively really high salaries and incomes they get um about a part of the profits and but you know in return they sp- they work really long hours yeah it's not an eight hour day and i think that they have to be on call to like sometimes i have to go to different cities to to help out you know whatever the need is so i think the the level of dedication put it that way is extremely high Um, It is also very tiring, I'm sure. And I I know people have said that they just want to work there for a decade or so and then retire. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. I think that like these, that they're open, you know, 24 hours a day. So someone has to be there at all times. And uh, I also heard that you're not, really allowed to bring your phone to work, so... Well,
1: I think they don't want people stealing secrets, I think, right? I can't imagine
2: working at a place that has so many valuable secrets. Right.
1: Um, You don't want people, like, recording, you know... Yeah. And then constantly having
2: to kind of rotate your uh, clock, like your internal clock between oh, I'm on a day shift, but then later you have to be on a night shift later in the week or something like that.
1: Interesting. So, he said that um, he was... Not used to, they don't give the people who are training there a lot of freedom. Like they they weren't allowed guests, you know, they had to live in a certain place and they weren't allowed guests and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I guess that was a complaint. Um, he thought the software wasn't that great. Um, he said there's too much time spent in meetings, reviewing things, so... Oh, I don't. What do you think about meetings? I don't really like meetings too much either. But I do. I mean, sometimes it is good to be able to talk and, mm-hmm. and get to know, but not like hours. You saying they spend three hours a day in meetings. So.
2: Yeah, I don't like the idea of meetings for the sake of meetings, just because it sounds like this is something that you should have. And I think that as, um, you know, due to the pandemic, a lot of workplaces became more remote, I think that it made people realize that you don't necessarily have to meet up together to discuss something. Yeah,
1: that, that's true. I actually really like the flexibility that um, remote working has given us. I mean, even, you know, that I'm starting to be in management, I, I don't mind holding meetings or interviews remotely. Actually, it saves time. It gives people flexibility, you know. So I think that um, we've learned a lot, right? Uh, you know, during COVID, like how we can do things in a more flexible way. So I think that that's definitely something that maybe has something to it. Maybe they don't need so many meetings. I don't really know. I mean, I'm not, I don't know anything about how a fab works. Yeah. um, Maybe they need the meetings for some Mm -hmm. reason, you know, but it was interesting that uh, he, the first thing he, he was complaining about, or he thought definitely needs to change in America is the long hours, So I think that that was probably why Morris Song was hesitant to build any fabs in the United States because, Mm -hmm. you know, the Americans are used to um, really prioritizing their time after work, Mm -hmm. right? Their own freedom. They probably don't want to be sent here and there all the time. And they want higher salaries, double, triple of what people are making here. And they want to work less hours. So...
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in, (laughs) (laughs) they have a lot of demands, Um, but I'm interested in what it's like for Taiwanese people to work there versus foreigners to work there. Because, yeah, I've definitely worked places where there's very different setups for if you're a foreign worker versus if you're a Taiwanese worker. Uh And I wonder if they have the same sort of benefits and if they have sort of different salary packages or benefits if that creates any rifts between the two different groups of workers um, that's interesting well I think you know he was
1: just there to train to learn I hope mm-hmm. he did learn something um, we do have a lot of people saying hello first of all hello all of you who are watching I want to say hello back um, <laughs> to Christine Feline happy Halloween did you do anything with Halloween
2: I didn't do anything for Halloween. Um, it was my friend's birthday on the 30th, so it's always right before Halloween. Um, yeah, I, my friends and I, we kind of did very last-minute costumes. Uh, so, Did for,
1: you? What did you dress up as?
2: Uh, I guess I was kind of like a zombie. It really <laughs> involved me wearing like dark clothing and, like, clothing that I could wear on a normal day, but then taking, like, some eyeliner and, like, drawing stitches on my face and oh, stuff like that. So pretty cool. it was pretty low-key. Um, I had a friend dress up as Harry Potter. Um, I saw some people who were dressed up – one of my friends dressed up as um, – do you know the Teletubbies? They're like yeah, <laughs> those are cute. Yeah, they're just like a. Do ve- you
1: need a onesie for that, right? Yeah, yeah. He, had, he or she had one. Mm-hmm, yeah, oh. you need
2: like there's. It's funny, like there's a whole mix of Halloween costumes from the super scary to the, the very super cute. cute. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah. So um, I the best one was a little uh, present tying one, a little. Oh my god, those were doll. adorable. They were like three or four years old and they're miniature versions of our president and our health minister and that went viral on on social media mm-hmm. really cute um okay so we do have some comments from jen Delari. now that we're mostly online i'll load up a meeting with my camera off sure and he's she said that's very true about prioritizing time off in the u.s i give my company eight hours a day the other eight are mine i don't take my work home and i don't take my home life to work that's very important to me that, that makes sense. So I'm, I'm just really curious, not so much about this guy's personal experience, but if TM, TSMC is going to do okay in Arizona, I mean,
2: if yeah. everybody's
1: like, no more than eight hours, <laughs> you got to pay me overtime, you know. I, I don't think know they're going to they can- have
2: to make allowances. Like anytime you are interacting in a different culture, it can't just be both sides keep exactly what they had before. I think there just has to be some sort of compromise. So we'll have to see
1: how it goes. I can see why um, Morris Dong was reluctant, you know, to, to send his company over there. And of course, the U.S. wants the chips to be made in their home country, just in case China bombs us and destroys Taiwan, you know. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. So anyway, um, that was an interesting thing on the internet. Oh, actually, some people had some Things to say about that. Let's read some of the comments. Oh, so what do you guys know about Asian work culture? If anybody has any thoughts about that, um, one, one person said it sounds like an honest review, not a, that of an angry employee. Um, but you know, culturally, this post is biting the hand that feeds you. He's criticizing the company that you know sent him here and mm-hmm. he may be working for back there. Um, and The company actually responded by saying human resources are very important to the company and it hopes to build an open, diverse, inclusive workplace. And more plans for cross-cultural communication is in store. So anyways, over 100 American engineers have attended training in TSMC. And uh, the FAB is on schedule uh, for mass production in 2024 for Arizona. And it will be the most technical knowledgely advanced fab in the us of course the most advanced one is here in taiwan yeah, yeah so we hope that all goes well and that we can overcome these cross-cultural issues um i do actually i do think that people work too hard in taiwan um i mean they work really long hours and sometimes people work two or three jobs as well you yeah. know just because partly because the wages aren't so high and um people really want more income right yeah
2: i've just heard that Um, I mean, I haven't been in Taiwan that long, but if you looked at it over several decades, people have been saying that uh, the cost of living has, you know, been on the rise, but the overall average salary hasn't kept up with that pace.
1: Right. So we're in a not so great situation in terms of wages here. But anyway, that's why we're so hard working in Taiwan. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about um migrant workers coming in this month
2: yeah exactly so this has been a pretty hot topic because migrant workers play a major role in the labor force here in taiwan and ever since there was uh, a major covid a major spike in COVID cases starting from may uh taiwan sort of closed taiwan closed the borders to migrant workers coming in and That's been really difficult because there are a lot of different industries in Taiwan that rely heavily on migrant workers. So that includes factories or also um, domestic care for the elderly. These are all areas where a lot of Taiwanese will choose to employ foreign workers, um, migrant workers. And so now basically, um, uh, Taiwan's government has decided that they want to start to open the borders to migrant workers again, but there's going to be a points based system for who can get approved to come into the country first. So how they're going to, yeah, I I hadn't really heard of a points based system before, and I was interested how they're going to allot these points. What are the most important sort of categories? And so the points will be allotted based on uh, vaccination status, the COVID situation in their country, and whoever is going to employ them, what their plan is for preventing um, spreading COVID-19. So basically, this plan should go into effect this month. And um, the Ministry of Health and Welfare is trying to accommodate more people coming into Taiwan now by uh, setting aside more beds in quarantine centers. Um, Because I believe we talked about this on another episode that in general, right now, there aren't so many people trying to come into Taiwan so there are enough beds, but they're estimating, especially with the Lunar New Year coming up in a few months that more and more people are going to be wanting to return back to Taiwan and that there might not be enough beds if that trend continues. So basically they need to verify whether the workers have been vaccinated and then there's all these other requirements that don't apply to all foreigners. It, the requirements for migrant workers coming into Taiwan is not the same as a general foreign worker, which some people were kind of upset about and not understanding why they have these different regulations. And Is so, it
1: easier for them or harder for them? to? Get it's it. more
2: difficult for them oh, to come really? in. Yeah. Wow. So um, a legislator addressed this issue, saying that it's more difficult for them to get in because most of the work, most of the migrant workers in Taiwan are from Indonesia, Thailand, the Philippines, and Vietnam, and of these countries, um, only Indonesia's cases have diminished to around a thousand cases per day, which is, by Taiwan's standards, still extremely high. Um, but the other countries are reporting much much more cases per day and taiwan has really worked so hard to get the number of local cases down to almost zero most days and it's it's pretty much zero yeah it's really great and so they don't want to risk that for um migrant workers coming in since most of them are coming in from countries that still haven't really gotten uh the number of local COVID cases under control but along with
1: uh, that news is also the news that they're going to loosen quarantine regulations a bit uh, during the holiday season. So it'll be from December fifteenth to February fifteenth, I believe, about those two months where there's Christmas and there's Chinese New Year and the New Year. Um, and but it's not a big loosening of restrictions. It's only like going from fourteen days to ten days. Yeah, and you so stopped. I was to spend... surprised it was that <laughs> only a few extra days, and you still have to stay at home. You can stay at home like with your family or whoever you're visiting um for those four days and then you still have to do a health management meaning you can't go to public like i think restaurants and things like yeah. that for the next seven days so like it's still three weeks of your life where you can't go out in open spaces in taiwan
2: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed by the people who are dedicated enough to still come back for that time. I mean, I know everybody misses their families, and Taiwan is a really great place to be during the Lunar New Year and during the holidays. But yeah, three weeks of your life spent in pretty close quarters and not getting to really experience everything that's going on outside, like, it must be pretty difficult.
1: That's true. I mean, I've been trying to get my dad to come, because he used to come once a year, and mm-hmm. um, and he's all alone right now in, you know, the States. So, mm-hmm. of course, he misses us. We miss him. But he's like, I don't want to be in quarantine for two weeks. I'm like, you do not do <laughs> anything at your home. Well, I to yeah. be, in, you know, in a room for two weeks. How boring, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if this is going to, like, convince him to come 10 days. is not, like, a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So you got to
2: put together a list of activities for him to do. Maybe.
1: <laughs> we'll have to do that. Um, so... Yeah, but oh, and one other thing is that they're going to let family members live together during the quarantine. Oh, yeah, is, yeah. They'll save a lot of money because you have to pay for two weeks of hotel fees, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. Yeah. So that's I feel, good.
2: I feel like, um, you know, staying in close quarters with your family for, for two weeks, <laughs> I can go, like, a couple ways. I don't know. Some people might be like, oh, thank God I don't have to stay alone in a room by myself for two weeks. Other people might be like, oh, my God, we're going to be ready to kill each other at the end of the two weeks. Like, that's a long time also to spend in one room with other people. Oh,
1: my gosh. I can relate. I actually was the last um, family vacation we took. It was really nice. Most of it. But we went on a cruise. Mm hmm. And so, when you're out there, it's fun, but when you're in the little cabin, which is, like, really small, and there's Mm -hmm. four of us, I mean, we we got, like, a family cabin, but it's still really small. Mm You know, we were just, like, everyone had their own bed and doing their own little, like, screen. I mean, we're just trying to stay out of each other's space when we needed downtime. Where did you go on a cruise to? I went to Northern Europe. It was so beautiful. I loved it. I mean, went to Estonia and Sweden. Oh, Wow um st petersburg and um copenhagen that oh, sounds amazing <laughs> i want to go back after that's it's like it's not because when you go on a cruise it's like not even a full day in each place sometimes mm-hmm. it's like four hours or six hours mm-hmm. and you're like oh i haven't gotten enough of stockholm you know yeah i need, I need another day or two mm-hmm. so definitely i have to go back and visit those beautiful cities again it was very impressive You can tell that they're very um, conscious of, you know, protecting the environment. A lot of people are cycling around Mm -hmm. those places, and it is a very high trust society. I was, I was surprised that in Denmark, the um, metro there's you don't have to pay. It's free. It's not free. It's um, it's by uh, what do you call it? By trust, by credit? No, by trust. Like you're on the um, honor honor system. system. What? Yeah. So you're supposed to buy a ticket, but there's nothing to put the ticket in. Mm -hmm. And then you can be checked at any time by the Uh, uh guards. So I was still really, I still bought a ticket. Yeah, I was like (laughs) really afraid I would get in trouble for not buying. But, and the people were really nice. They can tell that we're foreigners and they were like, you know, we're looking around trying to find a way. And they would go, like, they would walk up to you and say, do you need your help? Mm -hmm. So I would, actually, I had a very good, good experience in Northern Europe. I thought the people were very pleasant. And the society seemed to be very very well managed, um, very progressive. Of course, you know, they're always, like, on the high ends of all the education. Happiest countries, most educated. Yeah, the best benefits. I know you guys work less than we do, make more than we do.
2: (laughs) They have it all figured out. (laughs) So
1: I guess we should, you know, send our officials there and see what they can learn. But uh, anyway, it's been really, really great to... uh, have this show with you guys and to hear from some of our loyal listeners like Jendalari. It's great to be able to catch up with you. Nazir Aziz. He actually had some questions for us like, uh, what was our favorite city in the U.S.? What about you? Hmm. What's your favorite city? I mean, I like Laguna Beach. It's one of my favorite cities. Actually, I don't live too far from there, but um, it's just like quaint little artistic town The beach is really beautiful and they have these cliffs where you can walk you know along the cliffs and or jog so the scenery is great but there's also little cafes and galleries so there's a lot to do over there a very beautiful place
2: yeah i mean i'm from new york so new york city obviously has a special place in my heart but i also really love boston a lot i think it has a lot of really interesting history there The streets are very quaint, and yeah, it's also by the water, which is nice. It is. And they're having an election on November
1: 2nd. Oh, yeah. My favorite is Michelle Wu. If you're living in Boston, I hope that you're voting for her. I wish I could vote for her. (laughs) She seems really cool. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of progressive ideas. Okay, I don't know if we're supposed to do that here. (laughs) But anyway, I couldn't help myself. Mm -hmm. It's great to see Asian Americans getting more involved in politics in in, in the United States. So that is one reason that, that I like her, but there's a lot that she's doing quite well and um all right so thanks for joining us and uh we will be here every weekday except for thursdays and we do hope that you will join us at 1 p.m taiwan time every single weekday except for thursday Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) thanks for joining us for here in taiwan i'm natalie so
2: i'm emma banak bye bye Hello, hello, you are listening to Radio Taiwan International, and welcome to one of our newest shows. This is Behind the Beats. I'm Emma Banak and I wanted to host this show as a way to introduce more people to the amazing music of Taiwan. Now, before this show, we had another show called Just the Classics, which mostly focused on great Taiwanese artists from earlier generations, and while I'm totally open to exploring music from different decades as well, I'm also going to be bringing things up to speed with some more modern tunes. Now just to give you a little background about myself, I've loved music ever since I can remember because I was lucky enough to be raised by a musician, so my dad, although he is also a retired math teacher he's been in a band since he was in high school. And he's taught himself so many different kinds of instruments. And so some of my first memories are literally hearing him play guitar, play piano, performing in our basement with his friends, uh, performing out at gigs. And I think that these experiences really shaped me to love so much about the whole process of writing, creating, recording, performing music, and how truly great songs can last throughout multiple generations, and that the lyrics of one song can speak to so many different people in so many different ways. So I really wanted to try to explore more of that here in Taiwan with Taiwanese music. To give you a little more background about myself, I actually hosted a music show in New York for four years, which focused mostly on American music at that time and every week had a different theme whether it was black history or female artists music I listened to when I was 13. Now this show is going to be a little different, not only that it focuses on Taiwanese artists, but also that I want to try to devote each episode to a band so that you can get to know them better, get to see the progression of their songs throughout their careers. And also if you are not a native Taiwanese or Mandarin speaker, I want to help explain the lyrics to you. Because to be honest, I really didn't listen to that much Taiwanese music until recently. I kind of consider Taiwanese music to be most of the kind of cliche pop tunes that I would hear in Taiwanese dramas or if I was walking around the mall, and those just seemed a little I don't know, sappy love songs to me, which, you know, they have their own value to some people, but just isn't really my cup of tea. But I mean, I had to think Taiwan is a country of over 23 million people. There's got to be all different kinds of genres of music here as well. So I did a little more digging and I found that's absolutely correct in that Taiwan has such a wide variety of music, whether it's in Taiwanese, Mandarin, or music from some of Taiwan's indigenous people. So now that you know a little bit more about me and what I'm aiming for in this show, let's get started talking about what the first band is going to be. Now, at first I thought it was going to be really hard for me to choose what band I was going to do for this first episode, but then I realized, to be honest, I haven't gotten to see too many Taiwanese bands perform live. And I wanted to pick an artist that really meant a lot to me because I always feel that I can connect so much more with the band if I've been able to see them in an actual performance. And since most of my time here in Taiwan has been during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, so there haven't been that many concerts to attend, there's really only one band that I have seen, and that's perfect because it was an absolutely incredible experience. Now, you may have heard of this band before. They're called Fire X or Mie Huo Qi, which just means fire extinguisher. And they've been active since 2000 in Kaohsiung when they were just 16-year-olds and they were high school students practicing together in a garage. So kind of like my dad and his friends at the time. But since then, they've had 20 years of influencing Taiwanese punk, which is really cool. Uh, You might be wondering why are they called Fire X? Uh, To be honest, they said they were kind of lazy coming up with this name. They just saw a fire extinguisher lying next to a pool. But I think it's kind of funny because, in my opinion, this band is anything but fire extinguishers. If anything, they're fire starters, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Something I want to point out is that the majority of Fire X's songs are in Taiwanese. So if you've never lived in Taiwan before, you might not know, but the Taiwanese language and Mandarin Chinese are two different languages. They're two dialects within Chinese. And even though I've spent several years studying Mandarin Chinese, I really don't understand Taiwanese. However, I think it's really cool that Fire X chooses to sing most of their songs in Taiwanese because the Taiwanese language was almost forced out of Taiwan for a long time. Luckily, now Taiwan sees that there's a lot of value in holding on to this mother language and it's being taught in schools again. So anyway, Fire X sees the Taiwanese dialect as an important part of their heritage and that's why they mostly sing their songs in Taiwanese. So there's four members of the band. There's the singer Sam, the bassist PP, the drummer Wu Ti, and the guitarist Oreo. So when they just started out, Fire X was mostly performing covers of other bands' musics but later they moved on to making their own original songs. So I'm gonna start us off listening to one of their shorter songs and I also picked this one because I feel like it's kind of different from the rest of the music by Fire X that I'll be playing for you later, but I just wanted to play it so that you see that they really do have a wide range of music that they perform. This one is called Ika, or in English they call the name to her. However, if you directly translate the Chinese name, it means the last one. And I think that this is a really pure and sweet love ballad. I really like the acoustic guitar, and so I'll let you listen to it first, and then I'll describe a little bit about the lyrics after that.
3: Enjoy! Long 단 Shube
2: Okay, so that was the song to her or the Chinese name would translate to the last one. I think it's a really sweet song and I think a lot of that has to do with the lyrics. So the singer Sam is singing about sort of the change in seasons and wondering how much of his youth is left. He's with a girl and he's wondering whether she can hear the words from his heart. Finally, he says that he's loved a few people in his life but that this girl is the last one so i think it's just really sweet this idea of we all have our different pasts but just having this feeling that you've met someone that you want to be with forever now if you just go based on this one song you might think that fire x is all into these soft quiet love ballads but let me tell you they definitely do a lot more in the punk genre which kind of fits more with what my first impression was of them when I saw them in concert. What's kind of funny is I totally ended up at their concert accidentally, and I had no idea who they were at the time, even though they are one of Taiwan's most famous bands. I was at this tattoo convention, and they just happened to be performing there. And like I said, they sing in Taiwanese. So I had no idea what they were singing about, no idea who they were, but I was so excited to be there just because I felt like the atmosphere of the crowd was so energetic and excited and they were feeding that energy right back to us. And it was just a really powerful and energetic vibe coming off from both the audience and the band. So I really enjoyed it a lot. It's great that they've managed to become so successful because at the beginning of their career, their families really opposed them pursuing this path just because... It's really hard to make it in the music world. However, they had a lot of bands to look up to. So they mentioned that they were influenced by bands like Blink-182, Green Day, Sum 41. And I was just thinking that I was going to play a little bit of a Green Day song called Basket Case, one of their most famous songs that I really like a lot just in case you don't know these bands. And I think it's kind of interesting to compare the bands that Fire X looked up to and then listen to the kind of music that they were creating on their own later on. So here we go. Here's a bit of Basket Case by Green Day.
3: Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those Melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. And I'll keep setting
2: it all keeps adding up. I think I'm crazy up. Am I just better? All right, all right. I mean, I love me some Green Day, but gotta get back to talking about Fire X because this next part is super interesting to me. Before I learned more about this band, I had no idea what a major influence they had on Taiwan's recent history. And that starts with the Sunflower Movement. So on March 18th, 2014, 300 protesters stormed the major legislative building in Taiwan and occupied it for 5 days with thousands of people gathering outside. This was the first time civilians had ever taken over the building and they were doing it because they were furious about this new trade pact that Taiwan's KMT party had created that favored China's economy over Taiwan's. Obviously the people of Taiwan didn't want their government to be creating laws that created more favorable situations for other countries' economies. So they occupied the main legislative building in an attempt to persuade lawmakers. However, the KMT still wouldn't budge. So then many protesters, mostly students, stormed the main executive building and there they were met with a violent police riot. You might be wondering, what does any of this have to do with Fire X? Well, the students felt that they needed an anthem to support them during this movement and they took up the song Night Formoso, which, you guessed it, is by our very own Fire X over here. This was a song that kept their spirits up as they met great adversity. I'll play it for you now and talk a little bit about the lyrics after. E All right, so that was Good Night, Formosa, or the Chinese name is Wan'an, Taiwan. So in the song, Fire X is singing about A quiet night when your heart is full of troubles and you can't sleep because you're thinking about the past and worrying about the future and not knowing when there will be happiness again. Basically, it reassures us, though, that the darkness will pass and they wish peace and prosperity for Taiwan. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that seems to really fit what the students must have been feeling at this time during the protest. However, the students wanted a song that was written specifically for the sunflower movement. So students from the Taipei University of Arts reached out to FireX asking if they could write a song for them. And you know what? FireX said yes. Within just 48 hours, FireX wrote, recorded, and released this song, which was called Island Sunrise. Despite the fact that it was put together in such a short amount of time, this song is a masterpiece that is still treasured by Taiwan's people. So here it is, Island Sunrise.
3: 请不吝点赞 Тисям
2: So that was Island Sunrise. The lyrics are about not giving up, standing up to tyrants and kings, promising to protect one's dreams, and that even though daylight's strong to a close, the flowers will bloom in spring. The final line is, now the time is coming to show the strength of Taiwan. I can see why the students found this song so powerful throughout the sunflower movement. This movement continued for another three more weeks after the song was released and the KMT eventually dismissed the trade pact. Island Sunrise went on to win Song of the Year at the 26th Golden Melody Awards, which are kind of like the Taiwanese Grammys. What's kind of funny is the students of this movement had initially considered using a song by Mayday, a Taiwanese band that's kind of like their version of the Beatles to use as the movement's anthem, but Mayday didn't fully support this because they had a large fan base in China and they worried that if their song was associated with this movement, that they would lose a lot of support over there. However, this wasn't an issue for FireX because they've been very open about the fact that they're not concerned about China's market, and they're even blacklisted as a band in China. To FireX, staying true to the people of Taiwan is what's most important. Now, all that was happening back in 2014, and a lot has happened in the world since then. This is actually the first half of a two-part episode, so if you want to know what has Fire X been up to recently, check out our next episode of Behind the Beats next week. But I'll give you a heads up, Fire X's activism and outspokenness didn't end with the Sunflower Movement. I'm Emma Banak, tune in for more Behind the Beats next Wednesday.
0: Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan.